Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, or Alfie, as most people call it, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, to connect with a collection of the best and most exciting creative agencies from around the world. Being at the intersection of these brands and creative teams for the best part of a decade has allowed us to get to know some truly exceptional people. This podcast, Private Views, aims to shine a light on that, with the first series publishing conversations inside some of the industry's most exciting creative studios, digging deep, looking beyond their portfolios, and into their unique experiences and thought processes. In this episode, we open the doors to Maidthorpe. Ben and Paul established the studio in 2000, and believe pivotal to its growth is its willingness to immerse itself in every aspect of a brand, making equal considerations for creativity and commerce. This approach has led to them building a portfolio as impressive as any, shaping the futures of brands like Adidas by Stella McCartney, MoMA in New York, the inimitable perfumer Frederick Marle, and Design Miami. I don't think we want to be shackled as to what a design company is. And I think we're genuinely in it. There's no arrogance in this at all or, or, or any other alternative. It's really, it, it should be a platform for ideas. Co-founders Paul Austin and Ben Parker are a genius creative duo of two harmonious halves. Paul, an extrovert visual crafter, and Ben, an insightful thinker and visionary. It's their differences in approach and opinion that often spark their most compelling work. Conviction in their ideas and determination to bring them to life is in their DNA and their name. It means made thought is never passive. They take risks they'd expect of their clients. In October 2018, they launched a magazine called To Think, and they're also opening a retail shop to showcase their work, and have recently appointed a sustainability advisor, a serial entrepreneur who's opened a Michelin-starred restaurant, launched a makeup line, worked as an advertising consultant, who has now turned her career into advocating for a plastic-free planet. Our producer, David Mission, visited their sleek and busy office in Fitzrovia for a look into how they've become one of the most respected design agencies out there and why they've decided to buck some trends and get way ahead of others. My name's Ben Parker. I'm a creative director of Made Thought. Um, and there's a lot to talk about, but I think it would be great for you to begin by just talking about um, about to think. Uh, so you, you've done the first issue, and maybe you can talk to me about the, the impetus behind that and uh, kind of the, the questions that you asked and the questions that you're asking for the next issue. Sure. Uh, I think, I mean, uh, really, the value that we have as a design company is very much in our opinion. Uh, obviously, there's a skill to visually execute uh, 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 subject matters, but really, the opinion is the important part of what we do. And I think to think became a vehicle for us to actually exert a little bit more of our sense of opinion, how we see the world. And really, we're in a fascinating time. Visual culture is the most uh, um, profound it's ever been. There's more, you know, if we look back 100 years ago, words were the predominant way of communicating uh, and visuals helped support those words. We leap forward maybe 100 years, maybe only 50 years actually back. And suddenly we're in a world where we are dominated by visuals and almost no written narrative against it. So the visual culture that surrounds us is more, more important, more profound than ever before. So to think really is a reaction against this visual world that we also help create. And so we take a single question for each uh, article um, and we explore that with 
Some of them are our clients, some aren't clients. Some are just inspirational thinkers who tend to think differently or more broadly than others about that topic. So the first issue of To Think was simply called How Do You Go Deep in a Shallow World? And it was really about in an age where we are very increasingly time poor, um, are we allowing, allowing ourselves the space and time to actually reflect and think deeply about the things that we are involved with? Um, and we had we used for the first issue six of our current clients: Frederick Mal, Tom Dixon, Sky Gingell, David Pryor, Rodman Primack, and Craig Robbins, and brought them into conversation. So we were in, immersed in the middle of that conversation and bring them together, asking those questions. And each group of uh, that's out of those three groups, they all developed really interesting tr uh, trains of thought and conversation that led off in different directions. What, what is fascinating in it, you have when we put, uh, we put two sort of bastions of creative or product design together, Tom Dixon, the British designer, and Frederick Mao, the fragrance perfumer from New York, both actually uh, working the world of physical objects, and actually both of those guys coming together to talk about this topic, which was absolutely fascinating. Um, and actually, the richness of the conversation is the thing that we're interested in. It really sparks quite... Um, uh, detailed and in-depth thinking for, from the conversation, which we then document, put together into a journal, and then write an analysis over the top, trying to bring all of that thinking together into, into a conclusion. And the second issue, which is out uh, the summer 2019, uh, is focused on what? The second issue is simply called To Think Forever, um, really, it tackles with the issue of sustainability, but we know that's a fairly blunt, overused word, similar to the word luxury. Um, and really, our view is that the whole sustain sustainability debate is based around one thing. It's about a very short-term thinking in, in a world that needs actually radically longer-term thinking. So, again, some of our clients, we have clients that we're starting to talk about 100-year sustainability plans. Um, how do we stretch our thinking much further into the future as opposed to working to almost four-year government cycles? That's sort of endemic in everything that we do now. The timeframes become shorter and shorter and shorter. So, again, who are the people out there that are challenging that convention and are thinking over a longer period of time? So, in the second issue, to think forever, the actual subtitle is how do we think forever in a world running out of time? And obviously we know from the climate committees that we've, we have a 10-year or 11-year window now before there is um, uh, permanent damage to our environment, if that's not already the case. And the question is, how are we going to act and respond to that deadline? Um, obviously this was announced last year. Uh, there is obviously some movement within big business and small business, but where is the conversation heading towards? Um, and are we going to actually deliver against that 10-year window? So we've amassed um, about nine different speakers um, who have a different view from old and young to fashion to outside of fashion. Um, so one of our speakers is a, an incredible guy called Satish Kumar, who is an 82-year-old um, um, gentleman who runs the Schumacher College uh, down in Devon. Uh, he was a, a monk from the age of six. Um, and then we contrast him against Bella Lack, who is sort of one of these new generation. She's 15 years old, new generation, like a Greta Thunberg. Um, how do we take those two perspectives? And in fact, what's interesting, both of those characters are talking about issues in exactly the same way. What it opens up is a question about all those people in between 15 and 82. What conversations are they having about the same topic? So again, we have some really interesting insights there. Uh, we've interviewing Catherine Hamnett, Stella McCartney. 
Uh, we have Evan Sharp talking about technology um, and the role of it as a profit, uh, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Um, and um, even through to Mary Robinson, who's the ex-premier uh, of, of Ireland, who is also one of the, an organisation called The Elders, who is looking at sustainability as well. So really fascinating dialogue between them. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, you know, uh, to what extent has this kind of sustainability agenda been um, a reaction of made thought to some of the challenges or aspirations of their clients or how much of this, of this has been a kind of, a, a, just a kind of point of view of yours, you know, an opinion of yours that this is something that needs to happen or, or how, what's the kind of dynamic? I think obviously the sustainability conversation is part of our zeitgeist. You can't pick up a newspaper or, or even um, open anything now on Instagram without being bombarded with this topic. Um, we know big business. We know small business is interested. We know big business is interested in it. There are new developments like Loop in New York, which is launched last week. Uh, Loop, um, which is a whole circular economy mindset for delivery of products. So you've got everyone from Hagen Das right through way through to Procter and Gamble offering up fully circular products. The, I think the interest for us as a design company is that as designers, we are responsible for and accountable for a lot of the products that are put out into the world. And we need to play our own part within that, uh, within that conversation and dialogue with the client. We aren't just here as a blunt tool just to create profit. Of course we are, that is our job. We are a service industry, but we need to have a view on the things that we generate and help create for clients. Um, that's not just us, that's the manufacturer, uh, the client themselves, and also the consumer. Everyone's tied into the same uh, ecosystem now. Do you think this speaks to just a, 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 a more general change in the role of a design agency in, in maybe just um, understanding more of the life cycle of, of you know, the products and that, that they help design or the brands that they consult with, et cetera, et cetera? Absolutely. I think um, we know that you know we've moved from a, um, a very linear economy, that was the Industrial Revolution, to obviously a, a recycled economy where everything is fundamentally meant to be recycled. Interestingly, Greenpeace in the last couple of years have stated that actually recycling is a, is a model that simply doesn't work. In fact, most of business now agrees that recycling is not, a, is not an option. We know that our doorside uh, or doorstep to, uh, collection points from the council, it's sheer chance. I mean, you can't, it's, I think it's now called um, wish cycling, hoping that your stuff that you put in your recycling bins is going to be recycled when we know between 6 and 9% of all plastics in this country are recycled, the rest are not. So we, know, so we know that recycling is not a solution. So we know that a new behavioural model is coming. That is the circular economy. Uh, this is not pie in the sky, theoretical stuff. This is stuff that is really accelerating fast. We have a number of clients that we're working with on fully circular or trying to move to a fully circular model. Uh, that's a responsibility for what we take from the planets or the Earth's resources, what we make with it, and then how we waste it or essentially don't waste it. So designers are going to be integral with not just product designers, communication designers, all aspects of design are an integral part of that new life cycle. And there's been no accountability of designers up until late about it's what we take and what we make, but never with what we waste. So the new mindset when all of our clients are now coming to us 
whether it's skincare right the way through to apparel, right the way through to fast consumer moving goods. So talking about how do we do a no waste life cycle? And that's fascinating. Yes, and I think uh, I was uh, kind of in a previous conversation told that you, of course, uh, in every, you know, every time you offer a, a kind of series of routes to a client, one route, you know, let's say, like I would imagine it's kind of a, in the packaging world, most specifically, is a plastic free route. Um, I guess um, <laughs> uh, I'm curious to know, like, how your clients react to that. Are they always kind of intrigued by that or are they still really dominated by, uh, you know, kind of the most economical for them in terms of production cost? It's a good question. Uh, I think all clients know that they have to uh, step up uh, and move towards a more progressive solution. Um, interestingly, there's a huge skincare brand that we've been working on lately. Um, and for one of the major global distribution hubs, which I won't mention, they basically said, we are not accepting any more plastic into the, into the, into the new brands. Uh, obviously, there has, to, to, remove, to move away from no plastic is very hard, but the amount of plastic that was uh, sort of uh, enveloping the brand was just too much. So they actively pushed back against it. So we know that everyone is shifting and changing and they want this change. So I don't think there's a client that we have right now who is not embracing this mindset. And it's fascinating because there's some amazing innovations, materials, new ways of, of, of structuring things that is forcing us as designers to be not lazy, but to rethink how things can come together. Um, and I, my personal view is there has a n never been a better time to be a designer, and I really mean that. Um, I think over the last 15 years or so, it's been, I'm not saying easy, by no means am I saying that, but creating brands um, using lots of plastic has been a fairly easy way to create things. Uh, and we're recording this in May, and as of a few months ago, you, you've also kind of started collaborating with a, a kind of sustainability advisor. Maybe you can tell me a bit about how that came about and what, how that's maybe kind of pushed you even further than, than uh, maybe you'd been going before. Well, for one of our clients um, who had innovated a new uh, product, we actually decided to put on a series of sustainability talks. Um, so we invited seven uh, unbelievable people, provocateurs who are thinking about sustainability in a different way. One of those that we'd invited along was uh, uh, a serial entrepreneur called Sean Sutherland. Um, she'd, at the age of 25, set up her own uh, Michelin-starred restaurant. Um, she went on to develop a whole range of skincare products. Um, and then two years ago, suddenly realised that actually the, the damage that she'd been personally responsible for in terms of the impact to the environment was actually questionable and actually very clearly declared that she is a plastic addict like we are all plastic addicts and so set up an organization called a plastic planet and its job really is to inspire and ignite change to move away from plastic so we after the talk where we met her we looked at her whole visual world and realized that you should be communicating to your audience in a more uh, unexpected sometimes more elevated way to, to, to talk to them in a different way that will engage maybe a younger, different audience. Um, and so we've been working with her for over two years. We've been working on all of her identity, on all of the campaigns, um, and hopefully making quite a seismic change to the way that people engage the topic of sustainability, because it can be seen as very sort of um, 
open-toed, sandaled uh, kind of, of, of approach. So actually, how do we do it in a way that actually even our own design team will engage with? And I think that's a, that's a visual challenge. But it's all of it for us is about reframing the conversation. And I think arguably that's what we do with most brands. Reframe the conversation to make people a look or, a, or engage with it in a new way. And the topic of sustainability in a plastic planet is exactly the same uh, in, in its approach. My name's Sean Sutherland and I am sustainability advisor now to Made Thought and I'm also the co-founder of a non-profit global change movement called A Plastic Planet. I have never in all my life worked with a creative agency who puts so much heart and soul into every single project. I mean, the, 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 it's a great name for them because they do overthink everything because they go into such depth and detail on everything. Um, and I think it shows. Just from conversations with Made Thought, it seems like they are trying to really build sustainability uh, into their DNA and, and approach every project with, with, uh, with this with with kind of these ideals in mind and push their clients um how is it that you're kind of helping them to do that well it's it's perhaps multifaceted because uh i've i come at the whole sustainability world from a very very different angle as they do um and i i think that's perhaps more refreshing for clients to hear you know number one um i'm an entrepreneur and i believe in the power of business and I think business can change the world. We just need to make it possible and easy, and ultimately we need to make it profitable. So when talking about sustainability, I'm always thinking of it as something which is a, um, a real competitive opportunity, uh, an advantage, and something that you know we know that the customer wants it, but how can you do it in a way that is absolutely natural for the brand? Doesn't look like tokenism, doesn't look like a kind of CSR badging, um, but can really take them to another level and make them a credible 21st century brand for the future because that's you know, we know that the world has to change the 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 bundle of simply taking making and wasting we know that 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 is history now brands and businesses have to evolve or they will be made redundant by their customers eventually and a lot of brands are waking up to this but the, how can they do it in a way that feels right for them and I think perhaps um, my experience as an entrepreneur of, of building my own brands of um, of understanding the mechanics of business and uh, and and what is going to drive business and knowing that it has to prove itself on the bottom line uh, is something that brings a different level to it and that combined with you know this depth of approach and strategic thinking and high creativity that made thought bring is uh, it's it's a different blend that perhaps others don't have in quite the same mix i think wherever there is change there is opportunity and uh, the brands that are moving first and moving fast are the ones that are, are going to really really benefit from this shift in um in, in the public's behaviour and, and what they want. And I think at the moment, people, people want to buy guilt-free. And right now, today, that means plastic-free. And it might start you know, in a small way. You know, we live in a bubble in London. We think everybody cares about plastic. They don't. You know, you, you go to America, actually, it's quite phenomenal to me, the difference in America, 
where um, there's a lot of fear about change. And I've just had a fantastic meeting, actually, just before we met with um, the packaging director of Target. And they are very excited about this change as an opportunity where how can Target be, be part of a whole new reframing of sustainability? Because they are design-led. They've always been design-led as a retailer. Um, and this is an opportunity, perhaps, for them to work with organisations like ourselves to to own part of this change. There is tremendous opportunity happening now. We live in really seismic times. You know, what happens today, and the pace of change is happening so quickly, but what was acceptable only six months ago is not acceptable anymore. I think the, the Paul and I uh, can get excited about just about any project, which I think is a, is a great thing and also not always a, a, a best thing. I think we see opportunity in most of the things that come our way. Um, I think that's our natural instinct. I think that's what really what good, good designers, if you're too, it's not about being choosy, it's about seeing where you could take something and reframing it. Um, so really, there's got to be some interest in the product, but we will always find some interest in it regardless. Then it really comes down to one other thing, and that's chemistry. It's to do with having a like-minded sense of ambition and shared ambition with the client. They don't need to be the mavericks. They don't need to be visionary. But what they do need to be is passionate about what they either the product they sell or the service they have. And our job is to help bring all those skills, those visual skills, the articulateness, the, the clarity to, to that client. So really, chemistry is absolutely key. Their belief and energy, we feed off that. Um, and it's an integral part of the process because if the client doesn't possess it, it's very difficult then for the design agency to, to, to supercharge themselves up with that same energy. So like-minded clients uh, are typical of the type of uh, clients that we like to have at Made Thought. Um, and that stretches right the way across from, you know, Stella McCartney, who we worked with for 13 or 14 years. There's a deep passion and belief for what she does, all the way through to paper brands like G.F. Smith. Again, the, the two um, managing directors there, totally passionate about the product that they have. Um, and we'll help share and mould that ambition with them as we move forward. Um, to, to kind of switch gears a bit, um, uh of course, you have created To Think, the magazine, so uh, a little investment in print, which is something that people have, have uh, challenged the, the kind of future life of. Um, and you are kind of set to also create for yourselves a kind of brick and mortar shop, uh, another thing that people have kind of questioned the, the kind of modern day uh, value or lifespan of. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that project? What is the kind of aspiration for Made Thought in, in making that investment? I think we're, as we move into, well, we've moved into dramatically into a digital first world. That's what taken 15 years, maybe a little bit more. Um, but yeah, as human beings, the power of tactility and the physical is a really important thing. It's one of our key senses. And I think in a way where everyone is so now obsessed with uh, platforms or channels like Instagram and there's immediacy, I think you have 0.2 seconds now to engage with an Instagram post. Um, if you don't, then you'll swipe through onto the next thing. So we, we want to value the things that we create and we believe they need time. And so to think was very much a reaction to that. We wanted people to stop and slow down uh, and actually find the time to read something that we've actually dedicated a lot of energy and consideration to. 
And the store actually is off the same kind of thinking to, as that. We produce a lot of physical things for clients, uh, things that people buy. Um, and actually to create a space where actually, rather than presenting all the products or even our portfolio in a digital way, because everyone has a website, actually can we not show what we do in a physical way, which is literally just playing with where we've moved from in the last 15 years. So yeah, the, the need for um, a physical, to show, to, well, to show all the physical things that we produce in a physical space seems to make a lot more sense than showing all the physical things that we produce and put them up onto a website, which we have, or into a digital space. So I'm Rachel, um, and I am the Special Projects Manager at Maidthorpe, um, and I've been here for just about nine months now. Uh, and... Uh... Maybe this is not the case, but I would imagine that your your kind of biggest project is is Made Thoughts retail project, uh, which is launching uh, this summer. And I was wondering if you could kind of introduce me to that project. Yeah, so it definitely is the biggest project. <laughs> it's an I guess it's an it's an interesting concept because it's taken us a really long time to really nail down what it is that we're trying to do. Because you know you hear the word retail and that can mean so much, and especially today that the kind of interpretation of what retail is is changing so much but essentially the store is going to be a platform for ideas so it's kind of this idea of it's a mixture of culture and commerce so what what will appear to look like an ordinary shop and that is obviously the point of it because we want people to come in and explore it and and shop it and enjoy it and learn something it's also kind of it's it's basically to reveal who we are as an agency and what we do what kind of projects we do and just communicate with an audience in a new way, com communicate with a consumer, and essentially just raise our profile as an agency and just do something different and interesting and something that we feel is incredibly important. As, as a kind of self-described uh, retail obsessive, what do you think this um, represents just in the world of retail to have a, a concept like this land on a, on a kind of commercial street? I think it just shows obviously everyone is using the word experiential retail and that's like the buzzword of the last year or two but I think it's just about people want to feel now that they're not just stepping into a typical store people want to feel like they're walking into some sort of lifestyle or some sort of message or some higher purpose and I think essentially that is that is what made thought does we don't just design things for the sake of it we always have a higher purpose and we are so considered and we feel so strongly about all of the brands we work with. You know, we only work with brands that we really believe in. And so that is basically being translated into our retail touch point. It's, it's a higher purpose and it's all the things we really care about and all the things we really feel deeply about. And it's just bridging that instead of with a brand, but actually now to a consumer, essentially. I don't think we want to be shackled as to what a design company is. Um, everyone has a preconception of what a design agency or branding agency is. And I think we're genuinely in it. There's no arrogance in this at all or, or any other alternative. It's really, it, it should be a platform for ideas. Um, we generate a lot of ideas here for our clients day in, day out to help service their objectives, their vision, their ambitions. And so really the fact that we might oscillate or, or change between publishing one moment, creating a physical shop the next, creating our own brands and products, all of that is about generating ideas that stimulate us, make us think differently, and actually how we present them back to the world. And that's the bit we're really interested in. I think you could kind of take any product and 
but it's the way you frame it, the way you present it back, uh, how you reflect culture and society at the same time. Um, that's where it will either connect or, or hugely fail, if you like. So us being savvy and aware is a really important part of, of the process. And so ultimately, what is Made Thought? I'd love it to be a platform for ideas, and that can encompass anything. Ben, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was producer David Michon visiting Maidthorpe. A big thank you from myself, Nick, and Toby for listening. Thank you also to Ben, Rachel, and Sean from Maidthorpe for their time. To Sean Crook for editing this episode. To George Grinling for the theme music. And to Maidthorpe themselves for Private View's visual identity. To find other episodes, head to Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Or to find out more about Alfie, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle at askusforideas. And finally, please do share this episode, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and do listen to the others we've put out as part of this series. Until next time. Thank you.